From Relay FM, this is virtual episode number 52. Today's show is brought to you by Squarespace. Build it beautiful. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Mr. Federico Vitici. Hi, Federico. Hello, Michael. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well. I'm very well indeed. New iPhone day, so I've been uh, putting all that together and dealing with that, but it's been fun. I'm happy with it. We'll, I'm sure we'll talk about it a bunch on other shows this week. I'm so jealous. I, I almost thought about asking someone from France or Germany to buy me one, but it's too much of a of a complication, you know. You it's gotta buy tough. the phone and you gotta wait for the phone, you're gonna pay taxes at the at the Italian customs. I really don't wanna do that anymore. So my hope is that it'll come out in Italy in about two to three weeks, hopefully. It's going to be tough to, to read, you know, tweets from people like you bragging about 3D Touch and all these other fancy new stuff. I'm touching things in so many dimensions right now. Yeah, you're, you're touching all of the all of the things on your mm-hmm. screen. Oh, yeah. Um, so no, let's not talk about the, the iPhone 6S uh, because I will be sad. And let's talk about video games instead. Um and of course, Mike, in our I should this should be a regular section at this point. This week in Unreal Engine demos, um, of course, we're we're gonna talk about another concept uh, made with the Real Engine, and this time one of my favorite games ever, Ocarina of Time's Kakariko Village, re, re basically remade entirely with the Unreal Engine, and it looks beautiful. It it, it is my favorite Unreal demo yet. Uh, apparently, it's made by a YouTube user who's quite popular for these uh, design concepts and remakes with the Unreal Engine. It's amazing. Uh, it, the author of the of the article on Kotaku about this video said, "This is exactly how my how, how I remembered playing Ocarina of Time when I was a kid." And indeed, it is that kind of feeling. You remember old games with these beautiful graphics. And instead, if you try to play them today, they're really ugly. Uh, and this Unreal demo, it's, it, it's, it's amazing. It, it looks fake. For, for it, It's too beautiful to look at. And the music, the animations, the, the colors, it's, it's really breathtaking. The only... I don't want to say complaint because maybe it's just me. The only thing that I notice is that the anim the, the I feel a little bit of motion sickness when when this link character runs on screen. Now I don't know if it's a problem of the video encoding. I don't know if it's a problem of there's a slight blur at the edge of the video. The, um, one of the problems is so I'm looking at it now. There's blur and he's moving blur. and like they make to make it look more realistic. Uh, as Link is moving, the camera is moving left and right yes. with him. Yes. A lot of video games don't implement this for that very reason. Um, like you don't, you don't want the camera to shake as the character moves because yeah. you end up in a scenario where it it messes with people's brains. So you feel it too. Yeah, it feels okay. weird to look at. I don't feel very. I'm gonna turn it off. It doesn't make me feel great to look at. <laughs> it's. A, it reminds me of. A, remember uh, the the paper iPad app, the sketching app. Yep. They did a video a few years ago to show, I think, the pencil or some other feature. Oh, yeah, and they were following it around, right? Oh, <laughs> like the camera was people, attached to the pencil. Yes, and it made people feel so sick because it was terrible to look at. 
And I don't usually suffer from motion sickness for uh, computer animations or video games. Yeah, um, same. I know that a lot of people do, and um, but there's a few occasions, such as the, the, the running in this video, and I remember the paper uh, promo video, I really felt weird just by looking at it. Uh, so, you know, but it, it is beautiful, and uh, I kind of hope that we'll get sometime in the future a 4K version of Zelda, Ocarina of Time, but I'm not too... Not too hopeful. Um, speaking of Nintendo, Mike, um, something's up here. Uh, Star Fox has been delayed as we well. We were right about this one. Yes. Um, it's coming out in 2016. We don't know when. And apparently the decision was made by Shigeru Miyamoto, who uh, towards the end of development decided that the game wasn't ready. And yeah. so, yeah, it's, c- it's coming out next year and we don't know anything else at this point. It's because everyone that has played it said that it is like impossible to understand yes the control (laughs) scheme is like just a nightmare yeah and we got confused just by looking at the video and I can imagine people trying to play the game Uh, I think this is cancelled for Wii U I think so that's what I wanted to ask you yeah it's cancelled for Wii U they're doing the same as they did for Zelda You, you, you end up pouring money into a dead console like, why would you do that when you you sit in on two launch titles? Yeah, that was the problem with the with the Zelda Twilight Princess for the GameCube and the Nintendo Wii. Yeah, they ended up releasing both versions. On the Wii, you got basic motion controls. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they'll do both versions. If the only argument against that is, I would say Nintendo promised. Uh, these games on the Wii U and they kind of want to respect their customers. It's the kind of company that does that kind of stuff. Yeah, but maybe. I totally agree. I totally agree that they're just wasting money on a dead console, basically. Yeah. And instead, they should focus on making these titles uh, great launch titles for the new console, which will be a huge incentive. There's the same game, depending on how you frame it. It's either a great game for a console that is dying or a great game for a new console and the same game marketed in two different ways completely changes the story for nintendo i think and i mean because the thing is as well right like third parties aren't really working with nintendo anymore Um, they can't release a new console with no games they're going to need like say like four or five games for it they're all going to have to be first party so they need, you know, they need a Mario, they need Zelda, they're going to throw Star Fox in. Yeah. And then maybe we'll get Metroid. Can you Don't Don't test me. Like, don't I, I don't know, man. Just... If they want to sell these things, they've got, to, they've got to heavy hit this. I agree. Can you imagine the kind of lineup if Apple were to, to, to launch DNX with, uh, with Zelda, Mario, and Metroid, or maybe, you know, not even Metroid, but just Star Fox. Yep. It would be a really solid lineup. And Splatoon uh, 2. Spl- Splat- Splatoon. Yeah, <laughs> Splatoon, Splat- they will call it that. <laughs> uh, but that won't come out yet. That's that's probably a couple of years yeah. away. Because yeah. they, they've probably still got quite a lot of life in that one yet. But I think that they, I think Nintendo would probably port Splatoon to the NX. I think. Because um, mm. it's, yeah. it's a pretty big big title for them i think yeah uh so i got more i got more nintendo links for you mike all right uh so i started playing yesterday finally uh super mario maker yeah uh me and my girlfriend played together 
Um, and I have a f like some very quick first impressions. First of all, I I, I got very confused uh, because I wanted to pl start playing the game without having to care about the creation process. I just wanted to put the disc in and start playing some levels. Yeah, that from... isn't how it works. <laughs> That's not how it works, <laughs> I realized. And I got very confused because I was taken into this tutorial for the World 1-1 stage, I think. Mm -hmm. And it wanted me to create stuff. And I didn't understand the interface, whether I was supposed to drop stuff in. There were, At one point, I, there was no confirm action to start playing the level that I created. By the way, it was terrible. It was a terrible level. I have yep. no artistic skills whatsoever. Um, I got very confused trying to say, just let me skip this. I want to play some levels from other people. And instead, it insisted that I should create this level. So I wasted like 10 minutes trying to figure out what I was supposed to do. And then um, I found out that there's a, a challenge mode where you can play like a, like a eight levels uh, in 10 lives yep i think um and that's what i did yesterday so me and my girlfriend uh, played some levels uh, you know uh i think i did like three challenges i'm not sure why i what i unlocked i think i can now customize these levels if i want to yeah they go um, into your like creation creation thing. bot or it's called the the, the like the, the craft bot or something yeah. i don't know um anyway i i haven't tried the the creation mode because I, I already know how it's gonna end for me i'm just gonna create a terrible level that makes me die every time i play it and i you know i just need to download some some levels from other people which i haven't done yet but i that i plan to do very soon so um, i've uh, i've played with the creation stuff a little bit and i've done the mario challenge a few times now yeah because it, it gives you different levels my pro my problem with Mario Maker's creation stuff is the same thing that we actually praise it for. So, which is the piecemealing of uh, items. You know, you get them over multiple days. I think that that's really great, uh, except for the fact that I don't, ne I won't necessarily play it ten days in a row. Uh, I would prefer to just have all of the tools now. Because I don't, I have limited time to play. Mm -hmm. So, like, I want to have all of the tools at my disposal and see what I can build then. Uh, but I understand why they do it because you, you kind of need to learn how to use everything that they show you. So the best way to do it is to break it out. So I like agree with it and disagree with it if that makes sense. Like I know why they're doing it. It makes sense why they're doing it. However, like it's gonna t it's gonna take ages now. It's gonna be weeks before I have everything unlocked. Yeah. But. My favorite thing about Super Mario Maker uh, with the kind of the 10 Mario challenge is you kind of have no idea what's going to happen. Yes, that was like very nice. There's just unexpected things all the time. Like you hit a, a question mark block and a Koopa pops out. Uh, yeah. Like one level, I had this weird looking mushroom and it made me all tall and skinny. Oh, yeah. That yeah. was like me and my girlfriend were playing. It's just like. Grab the mushroom and uh, and I transform into this tall Mario. It's like, was like, just like flailing around. And when you crouch, it looks like a frog. Yeah, it's and super it's, weird. <laughs> it's super weird. I was like, what am I doing here? Uh, and uh, then there was this other one where uh, I hit a question block. 
a mushroom appeared, a light shone from the heavens, and there was an angel chorus, like, ah. Really? And I collected the mushroom, <laughs> and I became Luigi. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's fun. Like, it is yes. actually quite a lot of fun, because you play levels that wouldn't exist. Like, there was this one, I can't remember what it was called, but it was like Vine of Death, or something. it wasn't that name, but it was along that kind of lines. I played where, the level. Where there was all the spikes, and you had to climb yes. up, and like, it, it was moving back and forth, and you had to time yes. it perfectly, you get hit. Like, that stuff wouldn't exist in a Nintendo yeah. creative Mario game. Like, yeah. Mario World is not going to have a level like that. No. But this game does. and So, I think there's actually quite a bit of fun in there. Um, so, I I will play more of it. Um, and, and I really do want to spend a bit more time in the creation stuff. Because I think I could make something I enjoy. Because I was playing around with it for a bit. And I created a very basic level where it's like it basically looks a lot like world one one and you get to this one point and there's these huge this huge staircase you go up this huge staircase and there's like just a pit of like 150 goombas uh and you get one cooper at the top and you hit the cooper and you just throw the shell down there and then just try and destroy them all i don't know it felt like fun <laughs> so like that's what I like I was like building around it I was like oh, okay I do it like this and then the pit didn't work so well so then I ended up setting like a, a trail up so if you hit the Cooper shell it would go like it would kill 20 go down a level kill yeah. level 20 go down a, so you know create like a zigzag pattern like pattern there's just stuff you can do to mess around like I'm we have some links in here that you've collected Polygon's doing this really interesting thing yeah. where um, they're getting game designers to create Mario Maker levels and you look at this stuff and it's like these people are incredible like some of the yes. things that they've done and I'm just like I haven't got that kind of mentality I haven't got that kind of mindset about me but I feel like I could maybe make something that I enjoy yeah there's uh, the level from the Spelunky creator um, Derek Hugh it's, it's incredible it's called the Four Towers of Hell and uh, it's so like dense of enemies, items, uh, platforms. It's incredible. And also I so recommend difficult. watching. Yeah, it's impossible. I, I think I, I, I'm going to download this level just to stare at it and say, this is impossible. And then I'm going to delete the level. Just want to make sure it is impossible. Um, yeah. Also, Team Rogers uh, level. Team, Team Rogers is working on Video Ball, uh, an upcoming game for the Xbox One, I think. Um, make sure to check out his video because there's a lot of uh, like clever... Uh, Mario inspired uh, design choices and also make sure to read the story by JC Fletcher at Tiny Cartridge about his two daughters uh, being Mario makers it's a great little story about these two year olds um, wanting to play Mario Mario Maker but not to play the levels to create instead right away into the creation process it's very great story Uh, my feeling from playing Mario Maker yesterday um, is that there's an, an enjoyable unpredictability in, in, in this game. And each level feels more like a diorama instead of a real Mario level. It's like this miniature box with all sorts of crazy stuff inside. And you know that it's a remix of, of your Mario knowledge from you know two decades of Mario games. You know that there's a Koopa, there's a Goomba, and there's you know a question mark box. But the way they've, they've been remixed and kind of reassembled, there's all these different layers of possibilities. And it's very fun to play. I didn't expect the game to be this fun to play. Um, 
I, I totally expected myself to suck at the creation process, which the tutorial confirmed. So I kind of wish, you know, there was a way to kind of remove the creation mode entirely, just like a little, a little checkbox in the settings that says, I'm a terrible person when it comes to creating stuff, never show me creation mode. Uh, but you know, there's not going to be that kind of setting. Uh, so I'm going to keep downloading levels, playing levels on my own with my girlfriend. It's fun. Yeah, it's, it is fun. Uh, should we take a, a quick break and then talk about Oculus? No, we got to mention PewDiePie oh, as a yeah, game. Of course we do. Of course we do. <laughs> so, Mike, tell me, tell me more. I just played the first level of. Yeah, this me game. too. This kind of uh, this kind of came across my view yesterday. I can't remember how I saw it. I think maybe somebody tweeted about it. PewDiePie has been um, working with a game studio to build a kind of platform game like a uh, maybe a 16-bit style, like an NES style. Mm-hmm. Um, was it NES 16? Uh, Whatever. Yes. 16, yeah, 32, no, one of those It was things. 16th and there was like the... It's, a, it's bunch a 2D of, platformer. Yeah. And it looks really interesting. Like it's really bright and colorful. It reminds me a lot of like the those types of games on the NES. It has like a Mario, like a Super Mario World style level selection screen yeah. and stuff like that. Um, it's all voice acted by PewDiePie and YouTube yeah. friends of his. Yes. I thought this was a really interesting thing because like, you look at something like this and it's like, this game has to be good. Yeah. He cannot it's... make a bad game, mm-hmm. right? Unless yeah. it's intentionally bad. Hmm. Yeah, I see what you You know what I mean? Way. Like, yeah. unless he makes a game that's because he plays a lot of bad games, right? Like he plays games that are that's like part of his thing, right? He just, he plays mm-hmm. bad games, um, but this it doesn't seem to be that way. And, and I played I played it. I think it's fun. Like I I'm gonna it, keep playing it. I played the yeah. first level and then I have enjoyed it. Yeah, um, it is fun. The the he's they seem like they've kind of created a, a just a fun silly little platformer, and obviously it's got a lot of. Uh, PewDiePie's particular humor in it, which yeah, and I don't, references. Yeah. yeah, I don't dislike it. Um, I don't love it, but like it's still amusing. You know, like some people just really hate his style, and I can see how because it's kind of like really weird, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's his thing, and uh, I I appreciate him. I appreciate his work, and I I watch some of his stuff every now and then. But the game is good. Yeah. Um, it's made by a company called Outer Minds, who have like yeah. one other game called Tadpole Tap, which I'd never heard of before. I would love to see how this began, how this relationship began. You because... know you know what's what's peculiar, I think, is that it's a paid game, no yeah. in-app purchases, $5, I think, and it's already, in, of course, in the top charts on the It's number one here. Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting not only is it a paid game, it's like a $5 paid game. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like it's trying to send a message, you know. It's the right. He did the right thing. If he would have done yeah. an in-app purchase game, it, it would have come back to bite him. He would have got a little bad press over, it, I think. But plus, the thing is, if I'm PewDiePie, I'm like, I'll just sell it for five dollars because I'm gonna get a ton of money anyway. Like, yeah, you could probably get even more money, but by doing it, you know, with the the in-app purchase model. But yeah. don't, don't, you know, don't start creating bad will. What people. they call the premium. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what his <laughs> kind of because I don't watch enough of his stuff like regularly. I don't know what his stance on in-app purchase gaming is. Um, but by looking at this, I'm assuming that he prefers to pay for games like upfront. But yeah, I think it's worth checking out. Um, genuinely, I I enjoyed it. I, th- I think it's a yeah, fun little too. platform game. The controls are good and they're simple. Usually, yeah. I don't like these types of controls um, in iPhone games, but this one's really easy to do. So Same. Yeah, I agree. Check it yeah. out. The yeah. graphics are good, the music's good, and the, the voice acting's good. fun. Yeah. All right, let me take a break, and then we'll talk about yes. Oculus. Uh, this week's episode is brought to you by Squarespace. You can start building your own website today at squarespace.com and use the code insertcoin at checkout, and you'll get yourself 10% off Squarespace. Build it beautiful. When it comes to giving yourself a place on the internet, there is nowhere better than Squarespace. They put all of the power that you need into your hands and take away the pain points like having to worry about hosting, scaling, or what to do if you get stuck with something. With Squarespace, you will be able to build a website that looks professionally designed regardless of your skill level with no coding knowledge required. With their intuitive and easy-to-use tools, you can make your website look and feel exactly how you want. They have state-of-the-art technology that they're using to power your Site and to power the millions of sites that they have with the millions of people all around the world that use Squarespace. They ensure security and stability at all times, and that is why so many people use them. They have great things as well, like their 24-7 support. They have live chat and email that are ready to help you. They have beautiful templates that you can pick from that all feature responsive design, so they look great on devices of all sizes. They have their cover page functionality, their commerce platform to sell stuff. They have their dev platform as well. If you want to kind of get in and tinker around with the code, you can do that. You can also get yourself a free domain name if you sign up for a year. Squarespace have the whole package, and their plans start at just $8 a month. You can sign up for a free trial and start building your own website today by going to squarespace.com and you don't need any credit card to do that. And when you decide to sign up, make sure that you use the offer code insert coin or one word to get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for this show. Thank you so much to Squarespace for supporting Relay FM. Squarespace, build it beautiful. So what do we have here, Federico? We, so, it was like a conference yesterday that kind of took us both by surprise, I think. Maybe yeah. we're not paying enough attention. Did you know there was going to be an Oculus Connect conference? I had no idea, no. Me neither. Like, it came out of nowhere. Uh, but yes, there was an Oculus conference and with a bunch of Oculus-related announcements. Um, the big one, Minecraft is coming to Oculus Rift. Uh, yesterday, uh, Mojang, or uh, what was the new pronunciation for Mojang? It's that we Mojang. Discovered? Mojang, okay. Yeah, we found that out at the Microsoft press conference. Yes, I still PR don't believe it, but stage. whatever. Um, so Minecraft, uh, the Windows 10 edition will support the Oculus Rift. It's coming up this spring, so uh, 2016. And we don't know much else. Like there was Palmer Lackey, which is the, the Oculus founder, I think it's the correct title, Um talking about Minecraft coming to Oculus. And one thought that I had um, that I wanted to discuss with you is that Microsoft really wants Minecraft to be everywhere. Like, they're not... Because when they bought the company and the game, we speculated that it was going to be an exclusive. Instead, we're seeing that they kind of want to expand the Minecraft brand as much as possible. So they're keeping the console versions. They're doing the App Store mobile version. They're doing the HoloLens. They're doing the Oculus Rift. Yeah, so I understand where you're going with this, but I I see it from a slightly different perspective. Hmm. 
How so? So the console editions and the pocket editions, they can't get rid of them. They exist, right? You can't get rid of those. You can't stop making them. Like, they could, but you don't. Like, it would be suicide. Uh, but obviously, HoloLens, they're going to do it because it's their platform that makes HoloLens a selling point because it's going to be a unique version of Minecraft you can't get anywhere else. Uh, it runs on Oculus, right? Mm-hmm. What, do, what do you need for an Oculus? A PC. Who makes? Who do you need if you're going to have a PC? <laughs> yeah, 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 I agree. You need Microsoft. Like Minecraft has become a way to sell Windows licenses. Yeah, you know, like, genius, yes. genius. If that's what they're thinking, then hats off to them. Like it was the perfect purchase. Because yeah, this makes sense. Put it on Oculus because you have to have a PC. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's weird know. though that they have done it, and it's weird that Oculus announced it. Why do you think it's weird? Well, why wasn't Microsoft there to do it or Mojang there to do it? Oh, Mike, there's oh, it's a, it's money, you know. Yeah, it's probably some kind of agreement between the two. Oh, I think it says here that someone from Microsoft had a video message, and then Palmer Lucky was maybe. Talking and you know, about Microsoft has a, has some kind of stake in Facebook, and Facebook owns Oculus. Yeah, I saw some. I saw a headline the other day. Uh, Facebook partnering of Oculus to create this video content. It's like, no, they're yeah. not partnering. They own them. Did they own Oculus? There's no partnering doing, happening here. Facebook sent a memo <laughs> and <laughs> said, this is what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah they're, doing the, they're doing the VR videos in the, in the news feed. Of course they are, but it's not a partnership. Honestly, it's not like cause, you know, Netflix is now on, on yes, Oculus, right? That's a partnership. Yes. But if it's Facebook, it just told them to do it. Yeah, it's like if Instagram came out and said we're partnering with Facebook. Exactly. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, you call that a partnership? Yes. Yep. Okay. Uh, but anyway, yeah. it. What I was trying to to argue is that Minecraft is everywhere, except Nintendo consoles. And when you look at it, of course, they're now they're trying to upsell Minecraft as a, a Windows enhanced experience. And it makes sense, right? Because if you want to do the the augmented reality stuff, you need a HoloLens. If you want to do VR, you need an Oculus with a PC. And the Windows 10 Edition is the one that supports all of this new stuff. But still, you can also, you know, Minecraft Pocket Edition is always in the top charts of the App Store. And I, I would say that there's millions of kids who only know Minecraft for the, the iPad version. And so... My cousins only play it. Um, on the See? iPad. So Microsoft could have pulled Minecraft from the App Store and said, no, if you all if you want to play Minecraft, you can only do so on Windows or, or Xbox. And they didn't do that. So I, I don't want to say that Microsoft loves every pra- platform, but at least they're not being Balmer kind of stupid. Yeah, this, is, this is uh, Satya's deal, right? Like, yes. This is his thing. It's yes. Windows everywhere. Just every, uh, services. They are a services company. Mm-hmm. Like you know, they were just on stage like three, two, three weeks ago, for the iPad event, right? Yeah. And then there was an event where Satya was there, and they had an iPhone on stage showing yeah. their apps for the iPhone. Yes. You know, like it, this is a thing that they're doing now, which is the right move for their business. Yeah. Exactly. Because under Balmer, I would have thought that he was gonna, you know, laugh about the iPad and pull Minecraft. I mean, Balmarin wouldn't have bought Minecraft in the first place, I think. 
you know? And instead, the, the strategy of this new Microsoft, they're doing the services for, for productivity. And so they have OneNote, Outlook, Office out everywhere. And if you don't, when you, when you don't do business, but when you do, you know, play and you are Minecraft, that's also everywhere. So they're trying this dual approach of trying to get as much people, as many, as many customers as possible from the productivity side and the entertainment side. And that's super clever, in my opinion. Yeah. And the fact that, as you also say, now Minecraft is tied to the to Windows 10 for these new kind of experiences with uh, AR and VR, that's also super clever, uh, I think. Yeah. Anyway, um, also from the Oculus conference, uh, the Samsung Gear uh, VR um, yeah. accessory, because you need a, a smartphone as a screen, uh, is launching with the... Um, so they're not doing the developer beta edition anymore. They're doing like an early adopter version. It's half the price at $99. It's launching before Black Friday. And it's cheaper. It's lighter. It's got a new D-pad for navigating menus where in VR. Yep. I don't know what to think. Have you ever tried a, a, a Gear VR? No, Mike? I haven't, no. The good one about this one, as opposed to previous ones that they've done, is this is going to be for all Samsung phones. Because previously yes. they were like locked to a phone, which was a bit stupid. Uh, so yeah, the you know that's it's better. Um, I had no idea that that Samsung were working with Oculus for this. Oh yeah, I had no, I I don't know how I missed that, or I like completely forgot it. Uh, I think this is great. I think this is a good move. Uh, I really wished that I could use this kind of stuff on the iPhone, but I've always got Google Cardboard as well, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that this is a good uh, good thing for Samsung to be doing. It's a good price. $1,900 is a good price for something like this. Yeah, if you if you own you know a Samsung phone and you're interested in VR, I, I don't know why you wouldn't get one. You know, yeah. it yeah, looks yeah. cool. If you have a Samsung phone, you know you're the type of customer who may have the kind of money necessarily to necessary to buy accessories, uh, because you know Samsung is now trying to be a, the kind of premium brand, especially with the latest phones. Um, it's it's a it's a clever move. I don't know how it works. I don't know what kind of games you will be able to play in VR, but still, it's you know Apple isn't doing this, and it's clever of Samsung to be doing this now. That's what they do, right? Um, there's some kind of, you know, there's always going to be rumors that Apple is doing its own VR thing. Uh, but even if they are considering this, I'm not sure Apple believes it's the right thing to do. You know, Tim Cook's comments on, on putting stuff in, in your, you know, with the Google class a few years ago. Uh, I'm not sure Apple believes in VR with these helmets that you got to put on. But still, you know, Samsung can do it now. They might as well do it. And that's what they're trying to do. It's cheaper. So if you have a Samsung phone, you should consider it. There's no there's no way Apple aren't do, looking into this. There yeah. are there are Apple VR headsets in Cupertino. Yeah. Like, they just are. Cause yeah, I, I think this so. Is, this is, whether this ends up being the future or not, this is the future that everyone thinks. True. Does that yeah. make sense? Like, it might end up not working out. But at the moment, this is the only future tech. Yeah. like consumer tech it's like with the smartwatch exactly so this is the next one right vr headsets so all of this looks amazing uh brianna Wu was there she was actually at the conference oh um, nice yeah. and she uh she's so pumped 
She Ooh. says it's amazing. She's so excited about it. And if she's excited about this as a game developer, it makes me even more excited about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and But my problem, and the thing that's annoying me, is I don't want another box in my house. I will have to buy... If I want an Oculus Rift, I will need to buy a PC. And I don't want... It's not about I have to buy a PC. That's not my issue. I don't want another box. I have like three computers on this desk. I have three games consoles. Like I don't want something else. That's my mm-hmm. issue. But it's not going to work on the Mac. Like if it ever does, it won't be for a long time. Because they're just not they're just not powerful enough for video games. Like it's just as yeah. simple as that. That's why I'm waiting for PlayStation VR because then so it's just the accessory. That is why genuinely I think that Morpheus is going to be the consumer winner. Yeah. Because people millions of people already have the exact hardware needed where that's not going to be the case for the Oculus. Even PC owners, they might not necessarily have a powerful enough PC. So I think Oculus is the trendsetter, it is the forerunner, but I think Sony if anyone's going to win, my my bet right now is Sony will win this race again and level one. The only thing that makes me sad as a, as a geek is that Oculus has really cool tech and they have John Carmack doing yep. the, this the, is the... This is exactly you know? that they are leading the way, yes. but they're, because they're leading the way, they're too cutting edge. Yeah. That's the issue, right? And so it, if you're not a PC... Like, so if this was on the Mac, we would all have powerful enough Macs, right? Because we've all got the best stuff we can get, you know? But I know that you don't, but that's a whole different issue. <laughs> oh wow! Okay, but you you it's have a, a MacBook Air with with a broken keyboard. It like is you, true. You know, it is true, and it's, it's a 2011. The iPhone 6s is faster than my MacBook Air. So yes, exactly. So <laughs> like I have a very powerful Mac. You know, we all have powerful computers. So like we and we all have top of the line stuff. We all get them upgraded. You know, so if like if the Mac was built for gaming in that way, then we'd all be able to run it. But we can't because it just won't work because even the most powerful of Macs still don't run games very well. Yeah. It's just Apple's choices. It's their design choices. It's the, yeah. it's the graphics processes that they use. So. Anyway, Mike, uh, there's one last news and it's more of, of a video that I recommend you watch yeah. uh, and a Verge article about it. It's a, it's a new game called Bullet Train from Epic. It's an Oculus game. It's a shooter and that's about it. It's a cool-looking shooter. You can read more about the first impressions uh, at The Verge. Um, I'm afraid that first-person shooters are going to be the default genre to try VR, because it makes sense, right? You can replicate a pair of fake hands on screen, Mm -hmm. and you can give the feeling of picking up stuff and throwing stuff and looking at things from a first-person perspective. And if you're going to use the first-person point of view, what kind of game are you going to do? You're going to do a shooter, of course. And, you know, I'm not a huge shooter person myself, um, so I'm more intrigued by the, the weird ideas of VR. Even Sony's doing its own shooter, you know, the one with the steampunk, steampunk kind of setting on PlayStation 4. Um, I'm more excited about the weird experiments with VR. Like, I don't know, like a game about picking up trash, whatever. That kind of sort sort of There weird... is a work simulator game. See? I'm, that's exactly the kind of odd experience that I want to have in VR. 
you were talking about this with Gray on on an episode of Cortex about uh, the Euro Truck Simulator. Yeah, uh, we are the, the we have reached the point where we simulate work to have fun, <laughs> and I thought that was such a great point uh, about all these simulators games that we can buy now. Um, we'll see, Mike. I don't know. I'm I'm I want to get PlayStation VR. I'm not gonna buy a PC, and I feel sad. Like on principle, I'm sad. Because I, I, I appreciate and I respect the kind of technical work that Oculus is doing, but I'm not going to buy a PC. Yep. You know? Yep. They, if they sold me a bundle, you know, and it's like 300 euros, and, and I get like just like the hardware for games, I don't even want a screen. Yeah, so this is what I'm thinking. Can they give me a small box? Yes. <laughs> right. Yes. That I can just boot into. Yeah, that's what I want. So, like, I'm wondering if they're going to be able to pull something like that off. They might. So, Mm -hmm. if they can do... I was thinking about it. If they could do something like that, I might do it. I still don't want another box in my house. But, like, I don't want a PC. I don't need another computer. They could just give me a little box that I can put in this house somewhere. Mac Mini-sized. Then I might consider it. Because I tell you, man... I really want some VR games because I've had a taste. Me too. You know, and, and, and I, it, yeah, it, it, you got a Google cardboard, didn't you? Yeah, the the cardboard. So like, I the, mean, the majesty if, of something like that, how incredible that yeah, is. Yeah. Like Oculus is another level because they do more, right? Because I've, you know, as we know, I spoke about, I played one, and I have been chasing that experience since. I want it again. I want to play these games again. So. It's a whole, totally different world of gaming, man, and, and, and I want in on it. So I know where I'm going with this, and I'm just hoping that Oculus will give me the bo- give me just a package that I can get that is small and manageable. Because like, I feel the more we talk about like, so we start this conversation, I'm like, I'm not doing it. And then we start talking about it again, and I'm like, I'm buying a PC right now. You're talking yourself into buying a PC. <laughs> yeah, I am, which is so sad. And it's crazy to think that it's been only three years since Oculus first launched a Kickstarter. Remember, it was a Kickstarter campaign. Yeah, it's easy to forget that now. Yeah, they they started from a very rough prototype and, you know, very humble roots. And now there's this huge company under Facebook with such huge talent working on this crazy VR tech. But it still requires a PC, which is kind of sad. Anyway, Mike, I have a, I, I think I have a nice topic for you. It's something that it's the kind of stuff that I think about all the time. We discussed this uh, a while ago on Connected for Apps. Now I kind of want to turn my attention to games, but it's the same topic. It's about game preservation on the App Store, and you know, being able to not necessarily the Apple App Store, but you know, the App Stores in general. Uh, to to be able to preserve games and to be able to play them again in the future. Now that we're moving into you know digital formats, uh, basically on any platform, not just the Apple ones, but Google, Sony, Microsoft. It's digital downloads everywhere. What do we do to preserve games? So I started from this article that I read on Ars Technica about the Mega Man Legacy Collection. It's, it's, it's a collection of Mega Man games from 1 to 6, I think. It's coming out next year. And on a bunch of consoles, including PlayStation 4, Xbox, and the Nintendo 3DS, 
What's interesting here is that the company in charge of these uh, remaster slash remake, it's more of a remaster really, uh, it's called Digital Eclipse, and they're trying to do a very well done remaster. They have paid crazy attention to replicating the console experience on a modern console with a digital download. And if you read the article, they created an entire engine called the Eclipse engine that they plan to use as a kind of middle ground for the future. So the argument that Digital Eclipse has is the following. We want to be able to let people play old games because there's value and fun in old games. The problem is that every time someone does a remaster for a new console, uh, that version in 10 years, it's still unplayable if you don't have, you know, a PlayStation 3. So let's say that there's a, a Mega Man re remaster for the PlayStation 3. If you want to play the game today, you need to find a PlayStation 3 and you need to find the download if the download is still available. So there's uh, the remaster that you do for the sake of selling it right now doesn't have any preservation value in the long term. And the Eclipse engine wants to be this kind of super portable piece of code that is able, under, of course, this, the management of this company, to make remasters go from one generation to another. That's their plan, and that's what they began to do with the Mega Man Legacy Collection, and they plan to be doing this for the foreseeable future. They wanna, they're saying, we want to take old games, say to publishers, hey, there's basically free money here, because we're letting people give you money for old games, we take care of the remaster, and we use this engine that if in, you know, 10 years we want to bring the Mega Man Legacy Collection from PlayStation 4 to PlayStation 5, the engine is going to be capable of being portable, and we can take it from the old console to the new console. And that's the technical aspect. From a consumer aspect, what they want to do is, it's kind of like the, uh, what is it called, the one for movies, the Criterion Collection? Yeah, um, yep. Criterion, yeah. They want to do that kind of experience. So they took the original manuals from the, the Mega Man games. They have high-resolution scans, and they included those in the game. They're including, I think, uh, English and Japanese commentary. Uh, they went to crazy lengths to replicate the CRT monitor uh, feeling uh, for when playing the game. They, they did all these... You know these very, you know, very detailed and contextual remaster the, the, to capture the feeling of playing the Mega Man games in different years in the past. And I think that's exactly, maybe not exactly, but that's one of the many types of initiatives that I want to see. So now put that uh, digital eclipse discussion in a corner of your brain. And see what's happening here. EA just pulled a bunch of historic iPhone games from the App Store. These games include Dead Space, the original Flight Control, the original Real Racing, a bunch of Spore games, which, Mike, I know you really like those games. Um, they're just completely gone from the App Store. Um, on the day that EA pulled uh, these games, so there was no pre-announcement, no communications from Twitter or Facebook or whatever, just a link buried on the EA website that you gotta find on your own, 
Uh, and EA is basically saying, we're ending support for these games. If you already have these games downloaded on your device, you can keep them. Otherwise, they're just gone from the App Store. And the theory of many people is that because these games have technical problems under iOS 9 and they're old games and, you know, you still got to be able to launch those games to play it. It's not like a cartridge or a disc that you, you know, put into a console and it works. Uh, because they don't run well under the latest iOS anymore, EA doesn't want to bother to update them, so they just pull them from the App Store. Then, I'm also reading that the original, uh, the, 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 the iOS version of Bioshock came up, I think, last year, or maybe not even two years ago, but it's not long. It's also being pulled from the App Store. And it was crashing, again, it's a problem of iOS. It was crashing for users above iOS 8.4, so the problem is iOS 9. Um, and one day it was completely gone. Touch Arcade and other uh, press outlets had to reach out to 2K Games, I think, to confirm that the game was gone. And they said, yes, there's nothing we can do about it. The, 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 the developers in charge of the game pulled it from the App Store because he had issues. Now I'm just reading uh, a link from this morning. Apple is uh, denying refunds for Bioshock uh, because it's gone from the App Store. It's been, I think, less than, than a year, actually. Uh, they're not issuing refunds for, for this game. So it, it, all this, you know, on one hand, I have this great example of this company called Digital Eclipse. They're trying to bring old games and to think of an engine that can scale in the future. And... Alongside that engine, they're also being basically very tasteful about the conversion process to be able to retain the historical context of a game. And now we have these companies on the App Store pulling historical games. I mean, the original Flight Control, Rear Racing, those were games that defined the App Store, gaming on the App Store a few years ago. And now they're completely gone. Like, you can read about them, Maybe you can re-download them from your purchased area, but if a kid today says, "Okay, I'm not—I don't know what's up, what's the App Store. Uh, I'm I'm going online. I'm going to Wikipedia, and I look up examples of popular iPhone games, historical iPhone games, rear racing, uh, flight control. Okay, they're gone, and I think that that's a problem. And the 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 reflection that I that I'm making here is. I'm looking at, you know, old consoles, Super Nintendo, you can still find a console, you can play a game. Uh, and I'm looking at these companies doing conversions, HD remasters, in a way to A, make money, but B, also preserve a game. And then we have the App Store. And, and I feel like games on iOS are disposable. And companies like EA are treating iOS games as basically, you know, I don't want to say junk food, but I will say that they just care momentarily about those games. Maybe they release a bunch of updates in a year, but they don't have a, a long enough lifespan to, you know, to remain on the App Store. And I don't know what the problem is. I don't know. Is the problem EA because they're a terrible company? But they're not the only case, right? I want to play devil's advocate a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Like, some of the games on this list, like the original Flight Control, it's a classic. Mm-hmm. Who's, who's, who's still playing it? Right? How many downloads are they getting? How much money are they making? 
I guess I'm more. I, I they guess can't. More... Like they, I, I kind of. Whilst it's frustrating, I understand and agree with, with EA from a certain perspective, which pains me to even say that. It's like, look, these games are crashing, right? They're not mm-hmm. working anymore, and it's just going to continue to get worse for them. Some of them are probably haven't even got Retina graphics, right? No, yeah. So it's like, why keep why keep these on the store for people to download? Like, they're not going to put the money, time, and effort into this. Like, it makes no sense. So, don't I know you that- think that's sad? Well, yeah, but it's not EA's responsibility to to preserve these games. And please let me explain what I mean by that. Pre prior to digital download, the games are preserved because they're physical. So they're just mm-hmm. preserved by taking care of them. EA doesn't own the platform, right? They didn't own the platforms with the consoles. They don't own the platforms now. But if they create a cartridge then that's their part. They'd be like, we've created the cartridge, it's preserved. You need to go and find yourself a console if you want to play it, right? That's nothing to do with us. But here, it's like, if Apple are like upgrading the devices, they're changing operating systems, they're changing fundamental stuff, like they go into different uh, processes, so they have to rewrite stuff. Like, EA can't control that, right? So like, what are they going to do? They're just going to keep these games up forever, people download them, they spend money on them, and they break. Or, like, or people are playing them, and then iOS gets updated, and they break. So then EA have to put developer time into fix games that people aren't buying anymore. Like I'm one of the first to to throw crap towards EA, but I don't I don't think that they're doing something particularly wrong considering the be- the business that they're in. I realize my my problem is more on on the principle of yeah. Having a game, and I agree with that principle. But and I not think having it's, the game it's, anymore. it's usually too easy to throw crap EA's way, and I think that they're right. getting a they're getting a hard shaft on this one. I don't think it's fa- that, not fair. That doesn't sound right because you know it's all money. But like, what what are they gonna do? Like they they can't. They just can't. They can't keep like all these hundreds and hundreds of games on the app store forever. That's the problem. And, you know, I, I feel like the basic question is, is this any of these worth preserving for the future? Is so there... If there was a company like this uh, digital, digital Eclipse, right? So yeah. if they went to EA and said, okay, you've taken these down, you have no intention of bringing them back, let us take care of this for you. If they then said no, then I'd be like, come on, EA. No. Right? But I don't know if there's anybody doing that. Right, so like saying, you know, we want to take these games and we want to preserve them in a museum. Yeah, right. Because there was that curator a while ago, wasn't there? That yeah, the, yeah, we for the MoMA in that yeah. connected episode. That's fine. Give the, and and I think some iOS developers gave their games, right? So that's great. But so like, if EA said no to that, I'd be like, what are you doing? But like, I don't think anybody is particularly like going to them and saying like, okay, you're taking them down. Let us do something with them. You know that kind of stuff. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, I agree. It's a sad, it's a sad state of affairs. Like mm-hmm. that, this is what happens now. Like that, I can't go to my grandma's house or my mum's house, open a cupboard, pull out an iPhone, and play the games because it just doesn't work like that. It's not like you could go there and you, the NES is still in the cupboard and you hook it up to a TV and you turn it on and it'll work. 
because they're, sta- they're static things, right? The only thing that can affect them is that they break or that they wear or that you can't plug it into a TV, so you might need an adapter or you might need to get an old TV, right? All of yeah. that is more likely than an iOS device that's multiple years old. But you could do that. You know, just don't yeah. sell one of your old iPhones, leave it on iOS 6 and keep all the games on it. But. Yeah, and my crazy wish is, is that maybe there should be like a museum mode on the App Store. Uh, like, if a company is looking to discontinue a game, just put it in some sort of archive and Apple offers a way to always run that app or game in some sort of emulation mode. Just There's a lot to ask of Apple. There's though. a lot to ask, um, but the, the the example, and this is totally unrelated, but the example that comes to mind is the, what is it called, the Panic Archive? The, the Panic is a uh, makers of excellent software for Mac and iOS, and they have these, uh, I'm not sure I can find the link right now, but they have this like, archive slash museum page, and you can re-download old versions of apps and, and games, uh, of apps from Panic. Um, they don't support the latest OSs anymore, uh, but they're still available for download, and you can do stuff with them. If the you Panic want. File Museum. Panic File Museum, it's the name. Sweet. Yeah, that's it. And I know that it's a lot to ask, but it, I just feel so sad knowing that these are games that like a lot of people played and it's not about money it's just about you know this is something that existed and now it's gone and on principle that makes me sad because it's software it can always be replicated and it can always be easily preserved it doesn't you know it doesn't it doesn't get worse over time it's not paper it's not wood it's not made of material it's bits and you can preserve them and there's clouds and computers and hard drives where you can keep them and apple has a lot of money why does this stuff need to die that's my problem on principle it makes me sad that there's a game that people made six years ago and now it's gone because of laziness effectively because nobody cares and there should be a way, especially because you don't have the problem of physical support anymore. I, I understand if, you know, Apple was in the position of shipping physical consoles instead of iPhones with the App Store and cartridges that you need to preserve. That's a problem, right? Because you create stuff that needs to be physically preserved for the future. Here, you just have a bunch of zeros and ones that need to live again, you know? And in, it upsets me. On, a, on an ideological level, <laughs> that this stuff is gone. And and that's why my crazy wish is for some sort of emulation mode that says, okay, this app or this game is gone from the App Store. This is an old file. If you want, with the consent of the developer, you can play it in emulation mode. You can see what, what it was about, but that's it. We don't give you support anymore. I know that it's a lot to ask, but I sort of wish... And, and this can also be some kind of open source initiative. I don't care. Just... Fig- someone please figure out a way to preserve the best iOS games to make sure that this kind of stuff doesn't happen anymore. Then that you you will still be able to re- to read the story of Flight Control and the people who made Flight Control and the people who played this game and to play it again, even if it's gone from the App Store. It it makes me 
it's the kind of stuff that makes me sad, you know? Because I know that it's, n in theory, it's not a huge problem. But in practice, it becomes one because people don't care. And so it seems like a huge problem that nobody can solve. And it makes me, it annoys me. It annoys me very much, whether I think about it from an app perspective. Uh, you know how much I'm upset that Tweety can be used anymore. And it upsets me from a gamer perspective that these games are gone. Because games, unlike productivity apps, remain fun and playable over time. I can still play NES, NES games today and they're still awesome. You know? Sorry, Mike. Every time we talk about preservation of software, <laughs> I go on this kind of rant. <laughs> I know it upsets you. Very much. Yeah. You know? I don't know what the solution is, Mike. There isn't one. There, there probably isn't one. There is just... I, I'm starting to feel like one of those old computer guys yelling from, yep. you know, their bedroom. This, this stuff is, is important. This stuff matters and nobody cares. This is because nobody does, though. Like, yeah. Like, I, I like listening to this. I like talking to you about it. But fundamentally, I don't care either. Yeah. Yeah, I like, know. It, it would be nice, but I mm -hmm. don't care enough to do anything about it. Yeah. You should just start, like... Stockpiling old iPads and load them up software. My wish, Mike, again, maybe in the future the situation will be both easier and more difficult for developers because I wonder if Bitcode and uh, on-demand resources, what kind of role they will play from a preservation perspective because with Bitcode, in theory, Apple should be able to recompile software for any future architecture or device uh, and with on but with so hopefully that could be a plus in theory and on-demand resources could be a problem because if a game stores assets like levels graphics sounds in the cloud in apple's cloud what if i come across this game in 30 years never right? really exists does it do they still exist in the apple cloud i don't know you see, it's... And it never uh, really exists on a device, either. No, it, like, it exists in some form on the device, yeah. but you can only play in one level. <laughs> uh, so, the future... The future is scary, Mike. I am, future like... That is going to explode, by the way, this on-demand resources thing. It's, I, can, I just foresee something's going to happen. Like, iCard goes down, you can't play a video game. Like, we yeah. can do. Yeah. I think it's... I, I don't agree with it, fundamentally. See, this is the kind of stuff that the more we talk about it, the more we know it's just going to be a problem. Yeah. It's just, it just takes me back to Star Fox again. What about Star Fox, Mike? Just about the more we spoke about it, the more we knew uh, it was not going to happen. Right? Yes. Because it goes back to all the way when they were like, here's Zelda. Zelda's not done. Star Fox will be out before it. We've not shown you any of it. Like, nope. Yeah, <laughs> not coming out. <laughs> that's mass fishy to me. Yeah. I, I like that we called that one like so yeah. long ago. Like basically yes. about three weeks after they announced it. Like, well, they like announced it. Like, it's going to be coming this year. We haven't got anything to show you. It's like, mm -hmm. um. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's not how video games work, Nintendo. Like, everybody else, they show their games like three years before they come out at E3. Basically. Right? And then yeah. every year they show a little bit more. Yeah. I look at Cuphead, right? Cuphead is a beautiful game, but it's like mm -hmm. an indie game, right? So, but they've been showing it for two years at E3. Yes. You know? Yeah, true. Because that's what the 
that game companies do, but for some reason Nintendo think it's different. I don't know how they ever thought that they were shipping this. Like, were they rushing it? Like, it looked rushed, right? Like, everything that we saw of it just looked crap. I think Nintendo had a rough summer, you know, for obvious reasons. Uh, I think they're no, especially... I, th- I think, I mean, you know, yes, it was, but I don't think that that is at all related. It, or maybe related. just the game sucks, let's just say. Yeah, the maybe game just sucks. sucks, right? I mean, obviously, you know, you know how we feel about Iwata's passing. Uh, but that, if if anybody says that, it's just an excuse. Because he wasn't involved in the creation of the video game. Right, true. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it was either done or it wasn't done, um, and so they might have lost a month, right, mm-hmm. of work during that period, which is fine. But that doesn't mean it doesn't come out this year, right? yeah. Like, it's, yeah. oh no, we can't do it now. Why? Uh, Water died. Okay, that's nothing. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's too easy, which is probably why they haven't said it. I also don't believe that Miyamoto made this decision. Yeah. Someone on it the was team made was like, for him. He didn't so, make this decision. Someone <laughs> went to Miyamoto and was like, "Hey Shigeru, the game is terrible, and we need to delay it." Yeah, because uh, somebody you know, says, this is what I, this is how I expect it went. The game is bad. Everybody that's played it from the press is trashing it because it doesn't work very well. It doesn't look good, mm-hmm. and the console is dead. Yeah, right. We are going to be showing off next year. This is what they're saying. We're showing off our new console next year. Why are we still trying to make it big games for our for our current console? There is no point now. They might as well write it out. They maybe got a couple more titles that they can put out, small stuff. But th- there's nothing that Nintendo can sell that's going to make them the money they need mm-hmm. because they haven't got a big enough install base. So yeah. Oh Nintendo, break mm-hmm. my heart. I feel like we have, we have these conversations every week, but I, I just can't help it. And now this week is so it's, it's double the sadness because of the game preservation on top of it. <laughs> it's 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 a cake of sadness with a cherry on top, yep. which is you know the game preservation stuff. But you know what we're getting into now, though. We are getting into video game season. Yes, it is that time of year. Over uh, so next week, Tony Hawk. I got my pre-order in. I think it's out on the second in the UK. You must be really happy. About oh, your I'm so excited! <laughs> I am very excited. So we'll be talking about it next week because I will be playing it as soon as it comes through my post box. So it should mm-hmm. arrive next Friday. Uh, Lego Dimensions comes out on Sunday. Uh huh. Um, I'm trying to not get into that because I, I looking at what I would want. It's like two hundred and fifty pounds. Really, that's a lot of money. Maybe, maybe less than that. Maybe around two hundred. Because you look at, so you get the set right. The starter set seventy, and then each of the level packs are like twenty, and then each of the individual characters with little missions and stuff that you buy expansions. They're like fifteen pounds each. Like you could just pour money away with this. Are you sure that you want to get the Lego? That's why I'm not buying it right now. Mm, Okay. It's just too too expensive. That is a lot I, of money, Mike. Because I do I do really want to play it because I enjoy the Lego games and this looks like fun. And there's like some of the, the the things like they've got like you can have in this game Batman, Back to the Future, Simpsons, Jurassic Park, and Portal, all in wow. the same game. Wow! 
like so it's it's exciting right because mm, like yes. i really want to see what this looks like so this is my current thinking i'm going to wait for the reviews if the reviews are as good as i think they could be then i will limit myself i'll buy the starter set and two more sets so spend no more than like a hundred pounds or something and then try that's a out. good idea that's yeah. a good because like i've been feeling this way about disney infinity for a while right as it gets better and better and better but like i'm more interested in the lego stuff because the lego games have like humor for adults in them like smart jokes right mm-hmm. yes. like i like all the lego batman games the lego marvel games like and the star wars ones so um, you know i might check it out nice anywho that's that so uh, we're in, we're yeah we're approaching video game season. There's a ton of stuff still coming this year. I'm excited. Yeah. There's some big titles on the way. I'm very excited for Tony Hawk's next week. Still got to yeah. try and play a little bit more Mario Maker though. Yeah. All right, Federico. Um, where should people go to find you? To go to Twitter for Tichi V I T I C C I. Go to MacStories.net. Sign up for Club Mac Stories if you oh, haven't already. You, you <laughs> should do that. Uh, the second email newsletter went out today, and uh, yeah. it had a little giveaway in there, which I took advantage of because. You know, just nice yeah. Uh So yeah, go check that out. Uh, if you want to find the show notes for this week, head on over to relay.fm slash virtual slash fifty two. I'm at imike i m y k e on Twitter. Thanks so much to Squarespace for sponsoring this week's episode. But most of all, thank you for listening. Until next time, say goodbye, Federico. Arrivederci.